We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how we doing? The season is nigh. Yeah, we are right around the corner. Obviously, part two of our season preview. And before we jump into it, quick reminder, make sure you follow the Buzz on all streaming platforms and also head to our Instagram page at Brooklyn Buzz Pod. Still one more day to enter our giveaway. But Jack, where are we starting? We are starting with team awards, Nick. Now, Go through these. We can probably sort of chat about general NBA awards, but let's focus on the Nets firstly. Yeah, let's do it. Um, first up, start with the big one for team awards. MVP for the Nets this upcoming season. I've got KD. I mean, yeah. Nick Claxton might have Kyrie Irving after some of his comments today, but I think as we've said, since Kevin Durant has entered Brooklyn, the Nets will go as far as Kevin Durant takes them. Yep, I'm right there with you. You know, I, I talked to you a little bit before we hopped on. I was like, oh, Kyrie, you know, like he's going to make a push this year, but KD's still KD until otherwise. It's as simple as that. Um, most improved, Nick? Most improved, I think I'm going to go with Nick Claxton. I think uh, Claxton's going to make that big jump from being fl- a flash player where you see these, you know, eight-game stretches, 10-game stretches, or maybe even a month of really good play to – him having a, a good season. You know, I think he's going to take that step to being a good player rather than this guy that's just inconsistently good. I'll go for a point of difference and throw in two names that could, um, you know, make a, a name for themselves and, and Cam Thomas and Dayron Sharp. Yep. Yes, you know, giving the most improved to a second year player is sometimes a little bit dodgy, but, you know, Cade Cunningham's and in, in we the have limited team. options. Yeah, we have very limited options when it comes to Nets, but I think Damon Sharp has started, started to put it all together towards the end of the preseason, which was really positive to see. And Cam was even getting some credit from Steve Nash about his playmaking and such. So, And he was you know, also heralded as possibly having a bigger role in the absence of Joe Harris and Seth Curry, which is disappointing for him. But you know, uh, one door closes, another opens, and that one's opening for Cam Thomas. So I think that... Cam's playmaking, his game awareness, and the same thing could be said in terms of game awareness with Darren Sharp, as well as just general defense. Those two have tremendous upside given their talent, given their pedigree, and there could be a very credible argument that they make a bigger jump for individually, but maybe Nick Claxton makes a more impactful imprint on this team just because he's going to be starting and playing much more minutes. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, I think also... 
with Dayron, there's a clear opportunity for him to make an improvement and going from, you know, a player that couldn't get in an NBA rotation last year to being potentially a backup center. I think with Cam, there's more of a question because of his role fitting with his team and, you know, how well is he going to adapt? But like you said, he's going to have the opportunity with Seth and Joe being out early on and also, you know, Patty Mills not really playing super well in the preseason. So there's an opportunity for Cam. I think for him, it's really adapting. You know, we know the talent is there. It's, you know, playing, like you mentioned, that that point guard role and also just doing a lot of the small things. All the small things. Blink-182 touring around the world <laughs> soon. Um, but in terms of any other team awards, we can probably do, I guess, a bit of a general discussion about, because, you know, the Nets. I got really one any... for you, Jack. Six Go. man of the year for the Nets. That's a good one because... You know, I think who Steve Nash and maybe the front office wanted to be is Patty Mills, but I think all of us are, are relatively realistic about the fact that it's more likely to be a Seth Curry or a, or a Cam Thomas. I think those are the two names that stick out. But then maybe TJ Warren makes his way back, and and he maybe puts Joe his Harris, name there. maybe Joe Harris coming off the bench. But I'm worried about you know his recovery from the surgery and only playing the one game, and now being out for opening night as well does fill me with a semblance of concern. I think I'll go with, for the sake of it, Seth Curry, just because I think out of those guys, he's the best player. TJ yeah. Warren probably, if he comes back, would usurp Seth just because of his individual ability to play, make an isolation scoring, and just generally six men, it's about bucket getting. But I think Seth has proven he can have an impact on this team coming off the bench and starting, and he was tremendous, and I hope that he's back and healthy soon. Yeah, I had Seth as well. I think he just kind of fits that role and he's able to do a couple different things, the ball being in his hands. And the thing with Warren is we really just have no idea when he's going to be back on the court. And Jack, this is kind of a random award I made up, but team leader. Team leader is Kyrie Irving, Nick. I can say that I, without even having any preparation and you throwing mm. things at me, I'm prepared for the answer to that question. It's <laughs> Kyrie Irving because Nick Claxton was absolutely positively glowing today. Steve Nash even jumped on the bandwagon. Yep. And the thing is, I think we've always sort of known that Kyrie Irving was the quote-unquote leader of this team if you're talking about vocal leader and you know revving up certain guys because Katie likes to go about his things in, in a different sort of fashion. And there's... Leadership comes in many different facets and styles, lead by example, lead by voice, lead by a combination of both. Kyrie Irving is a sort of spiritual leader. Yeah, you, know, you can take that with what you will in terms of some of his spirituality and some of his beliefs and whatever. But as a teammate, no matter what you hear from any team or any player that has played with Kyrie Irving, there are a few that will say he is a bad teammate. And yeah. I think as he has grown and matured, you know, and, and his on-court and off-court antics can leave a little bit to be desired sometimes. But I think now is the point where he is primed to make an impact individually and on this team. You know, I, We'll talk about probably general NBA awards and the possibility that he could have, as I put out a tweet last night, or last night, my time, um, this morning, your time. But Kyrie Irving has a, has a real chance to have a career season. And I think if he does do that, then the Nets are going to go a long way and he will be leading the team alongside Kevin Durant. It's sort of like a, a 1A, 1B. It's sort of just like Kevin Durant's like lead by actions and on court, like you know, you sort of just get behind his aggressive, his, his mentality, his sort of trash-talking sort of style. Whereas Kyrie's just the vibes. Kyrie provides all the, the goodness, all the, the good stuff, all the sage, all the stuff you need to just keep everything copacetic. Yeah, spot on, Jack. I agree with that. I think Katie leads by example, and Kyrie's definitely the the spiritual leader of this team. And I think there's room for probably a veteran leader too. You know, maybe that's Markeith Morris, you know, having influence or somebody else. Patty Mills obviously is having some level of input, but I think that's good for our net-centric ones, but we can look at it from the bigger perspective. 
So let's go with the big one, Nick, and MVP. Now, Kevin Durant is, you've got, I think, the odds in front of you. Kyrie Irving's been talked up again. It's a very Kyrie-centric episode and hopefully a Kyrie-centric season for, for the Nets and him individually. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. But in terms of MVP, I'll just start this question. We're going to have a general discussion about it because it relates to the awards that we're probably going to talk about the most. I put a tweet out saying, what is most likely this season? Kyrie makes an NBA team, Ben Simmons wins Defensive Player of the Year, or Kevin Durant wins MVP. Got a lot of different answers to this one. Didn't expect it to do the, the level of traction that it did, but I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I think that's why I didn't answer. I was like, I'll save it for the podcast. Um, <laughs> yes. Dude, I thought you just didn't like me. You're not following me. Maybe you got me <laughs> muted on the timeline. I post no. a lot of shit sometimes. <laughs> no, I think for me, this one's pretty easy in the sense of just the easiest accomplishment. You know what I mean? Like looking at MVP, super difficult. Defensive player of the year, super difficult. All NBA team, there's 15 slots, you know, first, second, and third. So I think, and Kyrie's already made a third, you know, all NBA team with the Nets. He could potentially do it again this season, and we've been hyping him up, and he looks locked in. His teammates and coaches are hyping him up. I think an all-NBA team is somewhat, I don't want to say likely, but it's the the most realistic goal out of the three. You know, not to say that Ben or KD can't win. It's just uh, a lot of things have to fall your way. I would agree with that just in purely because of the, the general likelihood of it happening, as you alluded to, how much harder it is to win some of the other awards and you know, some of it's narrative-based, and whereas all NBA is generally based on accomplishments and it's just yeah. like, okay, 
you got six chances as a guard to sort of make it. And Kyrie Irving has done it before, so why can't he do it again? Kevin Durant's won an MVP before. Why can't he do it again? Ben Simmons has been second in Defensive Player of the Year and been right up there and is you know pretty high up in terms of his credibility. And I'll, I guess I'll make the argument for Kevin Durant winning MVP purely because last year, Nick, before he got injured, he was right up there. Yeah. We were discussing him as the best player in the league and as the MVP leader. If he had stayed healthy, Kevin made second team All-NBA playing 55 games. He plays 65, 70 games this year. I think he's got a real chance. And it's going to be about you know the team record and yep. all the other narrative stuff that comes with MVP. But the, it, I think this MVP race is pretty wide open. I don't think Jokic is going to get it unless they win 65 games plus. I think it might swing back to an Embiid or it could go to a, a Giannis again. But it's going to be... But I think a lot of it is narrative driven. And when it comes to talent and availability, I think that's going to be the big thing because yep. you can argue that Joel Embiid and Kevin Durant have similar cases because whoever leads their team to a higher seeding and whoever's more healthy, because you know, both yeah. of those guys have talents coming out of their wazoo and every orifice of their body. But both of those guys also have injury concerns because Kevin Durant has been a lot of luck based and has this Joel Embiid sometimes. Sometimes he gets just poked in the eye and he's out. Kevin Durant got pushed into a, a, the goddamn knee of a, of a teammate. So I think it's there, there's a really credible argument for Kevin Durant winning MVP, but I think because it's the most uh, accomplished and acclaimed award and maybe some of the stuff in the offseason left a little bit to be desired for some reporters yep. and some media people, maybe that's why not. Um, I, maybe your thoughts are Or you can look at it the other way is that's the narrative. <laughs> you know, that, that, that helps it, the case. It does, you know. The it's all about perspective, and the perspective of a hundred NBA media journalists is is hard to predict. But you know, we'll certainly be on the bandwagon of all three of these happening. And if all if all three or one or two of the three happen, then the Nets could be right up there for a championship. And that's when we'll get yeah. to our player predictions later on. But I think if Kevin Durant wins MVP, I think that's going to lead to the greatest success for the Nets. I think next in that would be Ben Simmons winning Defensive Player of the Year, and I think next in that would be Kyrie making All-NBA. Yeah, I think also because, you know, obviously MVP and Defensive Player of the Year are kind of connected to the team play. You know, if you win Defensive Player of the Year, you're usually on a top-five defense, top-three MVP. You're usually a top-three seed in most cases unless, you know, it's like the Russell Westbrook season or even Jokic, you know, doing some historical stuff. So. I think, again, that kind of falls in line with the other stuff. And then Vegas has KD tied for the fourth best odds at plus 1,000. And then Kyrie's a lot further down the list at plus 10,000 for MVP. And then we got Bennett, Defensive Player of the Year. He's tied for 10th with plus 2,200. There's some good bets there. Now, we'll get to Ben Simmons, the, the argument for him. He, on his day, we've seen this preseason already. Is one of the most impactful defenders in the league. And the narrative is going to be, uh, I can already see how he, there's no there's little chance that he can usurp Rudy Gobert going to Minnesota and suddenly making them a competent defensive team. Because Rudy Gobert just does that by being Rudy Gobert. But That could help Ben because, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Minnesota has some hiccups with some of the bad defenders they have. And then, like, trying to incorporate Cat on the perimeter... Seems scary. Not to say Rudy's not a great defensive player, but it's going to be harder than what was in Utah where they had a system in place. And guys that were at least system defenders to an extent, obviously Donovan Mitchell, not great. But D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, not great. No, we know all about Tilo's defensive woes, and they're, I guess, probably on a closer level to Patty Mills than they are to, to Ben Simmons, yeah. um, if, we're, if we are going to say that. But I think, as you alluded to, Nick, I think Ben Simmons has a 
a sneaky good shot because it's going to be somewhat narrative driven as was the Boston Celtics by just picking Marcus Smart out of a hat versus Robert Williams and, yep. and everyone else there who's created a good team defense. The Nets will need to be a top five defense for Ben Simmons yep. to win this award. But they can be because they are now improved across the board in terms of their defensive capabilities. We've seen that in this preseason. We've seen Kevin Durant locked in. Kyrie Irving's playing like all-NBA-level yeah. defender in the goddamn preseason. Now, again, you know we are talking about preseason. It's like Allen Iverson were talking about practice. But the signs are good. We spoke about the bad signs for Ben Simmons. We've got to speak about the good signs about Ben Simmons and the team yeah. as well. And his defense, despite failing out in the, in the game against Minnesota, as you alluded to in that uh, great solo recap that you did, they are positive. He has lost little to nothing there. But the Nets have some glaring weaknesses in terms of their defense. When some, you know, maybe their defense around rebounding does improve, and maybe their rim protection is better than we think. But Ben Simmons and on the perimeter, boy, there's a chance, Nick. There is a chance. Yeah, I think the game against the Bucks still preseason, but just was a great reminder of the level of defender he can be. You know, but Nick, but he got back down and he got dunked on. I think there was. I think you can be somewhere in the middle and say, yeah, Ben Simmons is going to have some bad possessions on Giannis. But I think overall, like you look at what Giannis, Giannis did in like terms of four of 14 that game. So I thought exactly. Ben killed it. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, every I good player great. is going to score. And it's just about the volume and the difficulty of that scoring. Yep. You know, Kevin Durant's going to put up 30, but is it on 30 shots or 15 shots? The Boston yep. Celtics made him do it on 30 shots. So it's just going to be the nature of it. And that's where Defensive Player of the Year is it's going to be how the Nets go as a team. You know, what is Royce O'Neal doing? What is Nick Claxton doing? What are the weak points out there? You know, is Patty going to be, you know, an extreme liability as he's shown? Is Yuta Watanabe, now that he's been guaranteed, which is great news, going to have an impact on this team to a greater extent than Kessler Edwards did in the past? Then, you know, TJ Warren, if he's out there, is his defense going to be average, bad, good? It's going to be about the team overall, but I think Ben can be a real defensive leader. And, you know, if he gets, if he leads the league in steals or deflections, one of those things, he averages over two steals a game. You know, gets close to one, one point two blocks. Then there is a, a real credible argument for him. I'm, I'm, I'm all in on Ben Ten winning DPOY. Yeah, I think also this kind of gets in the narrative stuff too. Is the Nets obviously were not a great defensive team the last two seasons. They're going to be better, not just because of Ben. They're going to be better because of Royce O'Neal and then also just the lineups making more sense and hopefully playing less bad defenders. And they'll look better even, but Ben will get all the credit if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like narrative-wise. Like, like Marcus oh, Smart got all the credit for, well, he didn't get all the credit. They, they got talked about as a team collective overall, mm-hmm. but he got the award. <laughs> yeah. you, you don't give out an award for the best defensive rating in the NBA. What do you think? I said sort of top five, Nick. Do you think the Nets will need to be better? Do you think there's a, a way where the Nets are like seventh in defense? Because I think there is still a prevailing narrative out there that the Nets don't play defense. And people that haven't been watching you know, the preseason haven't seen moments of real defense, team defense. And even Kevin Durant speaking today was, was real, a real breath of fresh air talking about the nature of our switching, the nature of the scheme and sort of being like, well, we can't just switch for the sake of it. We need to be switched on. We need to communicate. Like Dayron Sharp was having incredible defensive possessions against the Bucs. If the Nets can produce more of that than what they did, you know, in, in quarters against the Miami Heat and, and, and other stretches, then it's going to go a long way. But what is the number? What is the ranking for you for for Ben to be a, a a leader in the defensive player of the year candidacy? 
Yeah, I think top seven would probably be lowest. That would be like the lowest you could go. And I think that would require a couple like vintage defensive or not vintage, just like classic defensive performances on primetime games against, you know, Giannis against Jason Tatum. You know, something to really stick in the media's head. And then we'd have to lead the league in steals. steals. Yeah. Like that, that's an easy one that could sort of stick out. And like, then, what is your statistical category? And he's great at that. He's yeah. He's already done a, a heap of those little things. Like he's not as great as 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 Kawhi, sort of just like snatching the cookie from the cookie jar. But his defensive instincts are are, are, are amazing. Like he's always you know cutting off passes left, right, and center. Um, he's a good rotator. He's a, a an incredible athlete. So, uh, I'm 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 hoping for for big things, and I'm excited. You know, you alluded to off the pod about strength and weaknesses of this team we've spoken about defense being a, a big weakness of this team in the past we'll get to them in a little bit but rank the three nick before we do move on in terms of the awards here if i were to get you to rank i know you got Kyrie Irving making all nba at number one what's two and three kevin Durant mvp or ben simmons as a defensive player of the year that's tough uh i'm gonna say um katie probably mvp you know, I think I'm more nervous about the Nets. Like, I think they can still be a top 10 unit, but like still having maybe some bad performances. And also there's still a negative narrative around Ben. Katie, for somebody who requested a trade over this past summer, I don't feel as much negativity around him than I do, you know, to some other stars. And I think it's just because people have such a high respect for him in terms of being committed to basketball. And like he said, you know, at media day, you know, I didn't miss practice. I didn't miss any games. I didn't miss anything on the court. And he never did. So I think KD, and this could also be maybe his last shot at an MVP. You know what I mean? In terms of like just where his career is and as he's aging up there a little bit, it's going to be more and more difficult. And if this team is, you know, healthy and clicking like they showcased in the last two preseason games, you know, maybe getting a high seed is really possible. I think for Ben, it's him staying healthy and being out there and consistently doing it. But he easily could. I don't think it's, if you say two and I say three, I don't think like there's much of a gap. You know what I mean? I'd easily switch it maybe a month into the season. Yeah, there's a big like sort of F you. There's a big statement waiting for one, two or all three of these players. Yep. They have a point to prove to they, they love to sort of hear the narrative. They love to hear the noise and they've got a point to prove all three of them. So and Ben who, brought that up in his interview with Nick Ferdell. You know, that was something that it almost felt like that they can connect on in a sense. Yeah, and and it doesn't even have to be spoken about. Like, Kyrie, I mean, in fact, Kyrie Irving does speak to Ben about it sometimes. You know, we we heard him sort of say, Kyrie's just like, well, the fact that they're talking, that's something. It's like, you know, no, all press is good press in in some form or another. But it's because they care, even if they yeah. hate, they still care in some form or fashion. And related to Kevin Durant, in terms of his legacy, you know, this if he were to get an MVP or a championship. I heard this, I can't remember which podcast it was, but I'm going to steal it. If he were to have a, an individually great season and lead the team to you know, a championship, it would cement his legacy in a way that few can this season. Maybe LeBron, maybe Chris Paul, those sort of three guys in terms of what a championship and what an MVP would do for their legacy in terms of elevating them into the, the pantheon of top 10, top eight, these sort of guys, or you know, just the narrative of all-timers. Kevin Rad's already an all-timer, but he could be in the narrative where you're speaking about your Kobe's, your Waltz, um, your Will, sorry, um, and your Bill I think Russell's it solidifies him, or it would solidify him more as a top 10 guy all time, or at least, you know, for some people, he's not there. Some people, he's on the fringe. Like, that would probably push him closer to that. And like you said, LeBron obviously getting another championship would be huge. Chris Paul needs that. I think 
Joel Embiid would really benefit from a chip. And then, honestly, I think Giannis. Like, if Giannis got another one, like, this quickly, that would definitely boost him. But I agree. You know, KD, it could do a lot, especially if it was an MVP into a finals MVP and a championship. That's that's big stuff. You know, that's kind of just, like, and it's solidifying on his own with his team after really just some toxic stuff going on the past year and a half. Yeah, exactly. Should we get to the strengths, Nick? Yeah, let's do it. So I think the easiest strength, Jack, with this team is they have two elite scorers. And I think that just looking at any team in the NBA or getting in the playoff series, like having guys that can get you a bucket is huge. And no, they didn't play well last year against Boston, but we've seen it in the past when things are at least relatively good, these guys can go off. And we saw that the year prior against the Bucs, even when Harden was down, Katie and Kyrie had enough firepower to really carry a team in the playoffs. Yeah, I had scoring, three-point shooting, point of attack defense, talent, and depth. You know, the Nets have Seth Curry and Joe Harris who are going to be out for the opener against the Pelicans on Wednesday, yet they're still going to be pretty solid in terms of their rotation. They're still Think about it in battle. comparison to last year. Exactly, and the nature of the depth is something important too. And, and, you know, we can speak about weaknesses in a little bit, but there is, you know, some weaknesses in terms of some of their depth. But the 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 quality of depth, the quality of wing depth, the quality of guard depth is as, as high as in many teams in the league. Yeah, and I think another important thing is, and this is kind of a what if, but I think we can kind of lean into it a little bit, is the Nets will probably have two elite wing players. You know, Ben will be probably playing at all-star level at some point this year. And we know what Kevin Durant can do. And having elite wings is a huge factor when you're making these deep postseason runs because a lot of the great teams at least have one or they have somebody that can defend that. Nick, in terms of their offensive rating, we, we've spoken a lot about the the offense being a, a massive strength in certain areas of the, the defense. What do you think their offensive rating will be this season? You know, I think they will probably be. Give me a range. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll I was you gonna to... say. Yeah, I wasn't gonna say a number. I was gonna do like a ranking, probably between like. Man, it, it's so hard with this team. It's like. I I would hope that they're not nothing less than like. Eighth. Yeah. 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 I was gonna say ten, but then I was like, am I underselling them? Like the amount of shooting on this team is ridiculous. Like just Kyrie, Katie, uh, Joe Harris, and Seth Curry. Like that's. That's some great shooting, but it also is a major question mark with Joe Harris now. And Seth, I think I'm less worried about. Obviously, that's a flip from when we did uh, the question a couple weeks ago. But yeah, I think with the health concerns, I guess I would expect nothing lower than your know, 10th. If they were healthy and Joe was you know, healthy out there, I think nothing less than 8th would be there. But it seems like Igor is cooking up some great sets and actions. Steve Nash is really buying into it and guys are buying to the roll off ball. Like I want to give Nick Claxton a lot of credit. You know, obviously, I've been a Claxton believer, but I think he's done a great job of being active off ball and setting screens and being part of successful plays. Can they be the best offense in the league? Ah, <sighs> it, it just it, they if make you want me to th- like say yeah. hypothetically, the other teams that they'll be competing with is Denver is probably the the team that sort of comes to mind, and I just think that it's it'll be about availability and health, like it is with, with so many other things. But I I. Just when it, I immediately come to mind, and we both like pay attention to the rest of the NBA quite a bit as well, as well as our Nets. I just think that the Nets have a, a genuine shot at being the best offense in the league, just because of the talent that they have and the the schemes that are, are suddenly being implemented and the flow that is being implemented and the principles that are being highlighted. I, I genuinely think that they could be good if like 
extremely good, if not great to the best. Yeah, I think for me to probably be the best, something would have to change. Like there would probably have to be that stretch five. I think that would be the full unlock of the offense. You know, if it was Miles Turner, you know, even Mo Bamba, if he's shooting a good rate or somebody like that, that for me opens up uh, another area that they just didn't have available before. And I think another thing to point out too would just be like, because obviously it's a team rating, not just a starting lineup. The, the bench unit could be ridiculous. Like that's where it really could be like where sometimes you see that drop off. Like there might not be much of a drop off because the Nets second unit offensively should be able to cook most. Exactly. Any more strengths, Nick, before we get onto the weaknesses? Yeah, I think you pretty much covered them. You know, offense, shooting, scoring, if they're healthy, the depth and all that. So I think uh, there's it feels like for this team, there's a lot of like pretty good to maybe below average things. So it almost eliminates a lot of strengths and weaknesses because they're at least moderate or close to it in a lot of categories. Which is better than being yeah. glaring on both ends, which the Nets have been for you know many years uh, that we've been Especially recording this when podcast. You have elite, elite areas, you know what I mean. And when you have elite scores that can, all right, we're real, we're average, we're average, we're pretty good. Okay, we're elite here. Now that elite stuff is more helpful because there's not a glaring hole of terrible defense behind it. Hopefully, for sure. Weaknesses, Nick. I think obviously the biggest one for this team is health. You know, we talked about, I think, with the storylines, we went through a lot of the guys and the injuries they're coming off of or the lack of games they played in the last couple of seasons. So for me, that's the biggest concern. That's what you're really worried about with this team. If they're healthy, they have a shot to really beat anybody if they're clicking and they have a level of chemistry. Yeah, I think injury history, availability, of you, know, you can put a slash next to those. Yeah. You know, they're essential synonyms for each other. I also think the ones that I had, Nick, were rim protection. Rebounding is lesser. You know, as you were sort of alluded to, it's it's gotten better with the, the guys that have been at it. But I still think that the Nets rebounding, they don't have an elite one in that other than maybe Ben Simmons. Clax has improved there. Dayron Sharp, if he, depending on the minutes that he plays, he is elite in that facet too. And obviously... Center depth is is one that sort of yep. sticks out as well. It's it's not as bad as the Los Angeles Clippers, but it's interesting interesting to see that both of those teams have really gone in on wings, mm-hmm. and it'll be intriguing to see if it pans out that both of those teams are successful with their strategies of roster building. Yeah, it'd be interesting if they both ended up in the finals too, like yeah. that specific type of matchup. I think another thing would be like the weight. You know, not as much like size and like length. It's just like they're not a very heavy team in dealing with you know, bigger centers, you know, and that kind of gets the lack of center depth. Obviously we know Dayron's got size, but even he's not a giant human compared to some of the other, you know, players out there. So that'd be a concern. And then obviously there's just not really uh, a years of playing together. There's not that cohesion that you build over the course of a couple of seasons. So that's always could be a hurdle we could see at some point in the year. Um, any, uh, I guess I'll get you to predict the defensive rating in, in a similar way to I did with, with the offense. What is the range for you that you expect the Nets to be? Yeah, I think I would hope nothing less than probably like 17 would be worst case scenario. And I think they could probably get as high as maybe like eight. Uh, I think five. My yeah. my range is five to 15. Yeah, okay. I think that uh, if they are going to be a genuine contender. They're going to need to be you know, either completely elite in one area or top 10 in, in, in both of them. And I think that they're more likely to be great offensively. But some of the things we're seeing defensively and the cattle and, and everything that they have in terms of the roster, you know, I expect them to be... I'm going to just be high on it. I'm going to just 
picked like 12th in, in defensive rating. I think that that would be a, a great number. And if you combine yeah. that with, say, third on offense, it's a championship-winning formula. Yeah, I agree, Jack. I think that's. I think it's realistic, too. Obviously, I think this team just has me a little paranoid over what's happened in the past is I don't really want to fully buy in quite yet. We had two great preseason games, but we still need to see it kind of play out over the course of a bigger regular season. That's why I feel like there's also such large gaps. You know, we're talking about rankings within 10 spots. You know, we're not talking about, you know, 12 to 8. We're talking about, you know, 8 to 17 or 5 to 15 because it's just there just seems to be a lot of variance with this team. Yeah, and variance, it can be good, it can be bad. It's sort of just, you know, the old bell curve. How good, how high is it or how low is it? Hopefully we experience a lot of the highs that come with uh, that variance. Any other touches on the old weaknesses, Nick, before we get to our predictions on wins and and the playoffs? No, I think uh, we kind of touched on them over the course of the summer and, you know, we hinted at kind of all of them. But I guess you want to get your win total first or you want me to go first? You can go, mate, but for the sake of it, I've heard in plenty of places that apparently the over-under is 50.5. Yep, that's what I got to, 50.5, and that's at an array of different places. I am over, and I'm at 52 wins. Bang, I'm going under, I'm going 50. Wow, okay. See, when we were on the outlet, I was under the influence that you were going to go higher, so I'm a little See, surprised. I always, when it comes to like the the brass taxes of it all, and at the end of the day, I'm just gonna like, you know what? I'll underestimate them and then be pleasantly surprised. I've said that on some podcasts before, and it's just like you've said it on a lot be- of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, I've said it on a lot of podcasts, so I will underestimate this Nets team, despite everything that I've said, which I still believe. I just think that the East is going to be a bit of a bloodbath as well, and the Nets are injury prone in a lot of facets and that for me, you know, that sort of variance that you alluded to has me sticking with 50 wins and you know, the difference between 50 and 52 wins isn't the difference between like fifth best offense and 15th best offense. Yeah. I think that's pretty close. It might be like the closest we've been in a while in terms of just win totals for the entire season. What seed do you think it's going to land the Nets in? I think third is my general guess, but you know, who, Everyone's on the Philly bandwagon. Everyone's on the yeah. Boston bandwagon, the, and everyone is on the the Bucks bandwagon. You know, will the Nets be fourth? You know, I think that it could be anywhere from. I don't think they'll maybe they're first. Maybe it all just clicks. But my guess is anywhere from two to six. That's the sort of you know again the key variance that we've sort of been talking about. Yeah, I had them at four, so kind of right in between. Um, I think two to six is probably fair. You know, if injuries hit hard, you know, six seems. Like it could really happen if everything clicks, like you said, two, maybe potentially one. I think as much as we talk about the Nets having their concerns, I think you look at Philadelphia, Joel Embiid's obvious little health. Is James Harden going to be healthy and good? And then you look at Giannis and the Bucks. obviously Chris Middleton being out there, dealing with some guys still being banged up early on in the season. And then Boston, obviously the whole Emei Udoka situation that just went on and that kind of gives them a little bit of drama but i guess jack what's your just before i do nick because it it brought to mind us talking about it when kevin ryan was healthy last season the nets had a 54 and a half win pace so it's going to be about, like like I alluded to earlier, Kevin Durant will lead this team. You know, obviously, and health will lead this team. Health, luck, all of those things that play a, a big part in sports. So that's a, a point to remember. He played 55 games, and in that pace, the Nets were on a, a 54-win season pace. With I think they were 36 and 19, if I'm not mistaken. So if Kevin Durant is healthy, I'm going to be completely wrong, and I'll be happy about that. Yeah, me too. I mean, 
I'd love to see it. Obviously, hopefully he can be healthy for 82 games or close to it. But obviously, you know, it's a little tougher out there. And I actually hope the Nets don't play him that many games and he gets some rest on some of those back to backs. And same thing for probably Kyrie and Ben, if you can kind of finagle it around to find a way to do that. But playoff prediction. I'm going Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, uh, my first note says no clue. And then my second line says feels like an Eastern Conference Finals loss. There we go. Um, hopefully we're both wrong and people who have greater optimism than I do and, you know, I've been accused of being a bit of a downer on the Nets, but I, I love this team. But I also just, um, we we try to maintain a semblance of objectivity. You know, we try to go, well, look at all these other great teams. Look at the the possible extenuating circumstances that could affect this team negatively. You know, has Steve Nash made his improvements? We haven't had many discussions about him. We did in the storyline sort of, but, you know, that's another weakness that we didn't totally discuss. But, you know, Igor Kokoshkov's here and now suddenly everything is better. But I still think the Nets coaching staff has, has ways to go and, and points to prove. But so do plenty of others. Yeah, a lot of question marks. And I'll say this about the predictions we made. This is based off of the team the Nets have right now. So if the Nets make a move, they, you know, be it, you know, a fringe all-star level player, I think that this team is set to win a championship. I think that, you know, move has to hopefully be out there. Sean Marks has to pull the trigger and things have to kind of fall in place. But I think they're just one good player away. You know, one probably one more good player to really give me the confidence that they can be, you know, that championship level team. I think right now they could win a championship, but a couple things would have to break their way for that to happen. You know, if someone have a sprained ankle, someone has an ice cold series, someone has a historically hot series for the Nets, you know, just something would have to fall into place. But like you said, Jack, a little luck is always involved, involved with every championship. Yeah, the basketball gods have called us for the last one, two, three, however many years we've done this bloody podcast. We earned like two championships after last season. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we, uh, we're we owed something. So surely the, the Nets get a bit of good karma, get a bit of good, good, good juju, get the Sage guys, um, and hopefully we're on the, ro- on the road to a chip. Yeah, 100%. Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. Make sure you check the buzz on all streaming platforms. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.